Chapter eighteen of a superfluous woman by Emma Francis Brooke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Bruce Peary. It is no delusion which makes true lovers feel that their own passion fills the world, for the world itself is interested as a rule the affair of love the grave meaning of human union is lost sight of in the fuss and prettiness of an engagement sentiment and elegance serve for passion and morality is exchanged for conventionality if there be a white dress a wreath of orange blossom a train of bridesmaids a church or conventicle and an officiating priest the union is moral that is to say society leaves a card upon the couple if these things are missing the union is considered immoral society does not visit an abnormal situation however throws us upon our own resources we cease simply to breathe in and out the exhausted atmosphere of society and retiring to some isolated peak of genuine thinking brace ourselves up to a nobler tenor once more the square little chamber was the scene jessamine paced up and down like a caged creature animated by a hope of liberty sometimes she leaned against the wall her hands behind her and her head thrown back colin's kiss still glowed on her lips and the pressure of his arms about her body while the certainty of his love snatched her as in a chariot of fire out of the ordinary world which she had trodden so long with disdain i am happy said she i am in heaven i am alive for the first time the little chamber could not hold her she folded a woollen cloud about her head and throat and went out at the back of the house a path led a short way up the hill it was moonlit now though the light was crossed by the frequent overshadowing of birch trees up this path she walked continuing the ascent until she saw a birch tree growing higher up and apart from the rest larger than them and with a trunk so divided as to form a natural seat leaning against this she looked across the dusky heads of companion trees the foliage sown as by a silver coinage to the land of shadows beyond there was nothing to hear the breeze of the day so valuable to the reapers had fallen and the quietude was absolute i am happy said she because the thing has happened to me which happens to few women i have found with my heart the very man my heart would choose out of all the world and he loves me she nestled down in the forked trunk of the tree leaning her head with the knitted shawl about it against a branch twinkling leaves hung motionless about her but her feet and gray skirt were scarcely to be discriminated from the ground on which they rested it is because he is so real that i love him said she because it is all so removed from the lies i lived in down there in london she crooked her arm round a branch of the tree and settled herself more securely 
also she added with a gasp because it is so shocking and ill-regulated such a frightful smash-up of everything i know about oh, oh, oh how happy i am she closed her eyes dreamily the moonlight falling placidly upon her face colin the peasant kissed me she said her heart beat and leaped with mingled fright and ecstasy she was like an antique sicilian girl whose lover seeks her in the woods and says nothing about ceremonies nor makes any bargain jessamine's idea of a bargain was forever connected with her london experiences and the detested harriet her revolt into sheer nature and primeval emotion following upon that was a wild and fearful joy for the moment at least she had got hold of the undivided man the simple beloved unattached to a banking account to an elegant position and fine upholstery she was nearer to nature than most women and this for the own niece of her aunt arabella was a sufficiently wonderful matter supposing other girls other professional beauties were like me she said i wonder what would happen her face with the eyes now wide open gleamed with a little terrified fun across which mournful shadows kept flitting i wish she said that the thrusting out of my finger here a small finger like a little white line appeared from among the shadows could topple down the whole hateful fabric of london society yes i do wish it suppose that hidden away in this scotch birch tree i had such a power with my enchanted finger would i not use it to desire this social upheaval was equivalent with jessamine to a wish for the destruction of every moral law for the furtherance of her own chance inclination a want of discrimination gave her wild fancies the criminal touch which properly was no part of them her mood becoming that of reckless self-abandonment without regard to the innocence of her projects or even their beneficial tendency it was the consequence of her want of brain that she fell into so immoral a spirit and turned to evil a situation which by no means necessarily involved it though it certainly demanded a powerful choice the thing which had happened to her argued obviously an unbalancedness within and receiving this all the footsteps to joy looked to her as a flight downward whereupon her mirth faded to mournfulness and she tenderly considered that to reach her colin who was so good she his bonny do could only be bad a frightful situation that turned her young heart cold for the instincts of deep affection detected in this the irreparable spiritual separation from the thing beloved she drew her hand back within the shawl the scornful daring finger seeming in fancy to turn against herself and sat with her head downcast musing 
to be sure she was born under a curse for wherever she turned she was beaten back when it touched her marriage with lord harriet the splendid wedding supported by every possible prestige dr cornerstone who was in a sense her exterior conscience had looked she recalled upon the proposal with a sort of satanic wrath that became him and heartened her as to the next step the kiss in the cornfield exchanged with the stalwart peasant her ears tingled and her cheeks smarted already with the hootings of an indignant world's outraged propriety how could she keep her head in face of the conviction of so multitudinous a condemnation it is a hard thing to be a woman and heroic jessamine's resource was recklessness and a meteoric shooting forth of unguided will oh mad bad miserably happy jessamine there was no smile on her face as she raised it and gazed up into the vastness of the sky which night and the moon were filling with changing cloud pictures but night is night and some of nature's great influence dropped on the weak forlorn heart beating beneath it a thought came east and a thought came west and softly fell upon the confusion of her mind and for a moment it seemed as though that delicate little used thinking apparatus of hers would interpret it and would move under the impulse of a genuine idea forsake the artificial and accept the true the rose with the thorn she put out as it were feelers half blindly but wholly earnestly toward a true solution her prerogative as a human being kept breaking in momentary light in her face startling her mind with apprehensions too great for its grasping too great for a definite response but leaving her with an aching beating aspiring heart that stretched and yearned she knew not for what it is a terrific experience and jessamine at best was a slight creature her position on the tree became presently too restrained for her emotion sliding out of her seat she stood erect her hand pressing the knitted shawl upon her breast with both hands the prevision upon her was of the universal which touches us in every personal experience the call to be through any single event something which belongs to us alone and which yet is for all to miss the significance of the unique moment that is desolation the girl's heart grew under her passion to a half sort of cosmic apprehension the wide setting which rims our remotest act being suddenly surmised by her but never for one moment so clearly comprehended as to leave her free to think she drew the long quivering breath as of a vaguely rising resolve and stretched her hands out searchingly toward the night looking up as she did so with solemn asking eyes what must i do she said 
what must i do then she paced the small space of ground beneath the tree with agitation forcing her thoughts to marshal themselves in regiments that ran with too restricted an aim better to have gone on lifting a passive heart to the skies colin knows nothing said she need he ever know he knows i am beautiful and he vaguely knows i am something beyond the mackenzie's farm help that i choose to appear to be he knows it just in the way the mackenzie's know it but he never dreams that i am rich that i am socially altogether out of his ken he does not picture has not the faintest flash of an idea of my real position and surroundings how should he have he is just simply a man who sees in me a woman he and he alone has found me has found jessamine i am in a sort his creation i am just what i should be if he were adam and i eve all the rest seems to fall away when i am near him and see his clear-looking truthful eyes and feel him loving me why was he not adam and she eve what shuts the gate of paradise against them she stood there knocking at the doors with a timid but ever more and more importunate hand until the whole night filled with her appeal and she sank upon the earth kneeling with extended arms and uplifted face it was to all the old-world mythologies she cried this time not to the rigid spectre whom aunt arabella had set up as god she cried to everything primeval to which men from time immemorial have carried their wants and like any pagan girl asked her impossible heart's desire from earth and skies oh good god forgive my thoughts she cried and fulfill them she drew her hands back pressing them against her breast and shivering but still cried on to that whole mythology of nature then she rose and restlessly paced in the shadow of the tree staring round with a fearful face a face ever too conscious of a prying and derisive world the pictured mockery drove her to severe lengths of thinking to a self-flagellating imagining mentally she leaped her abyss and landed on the other and grim side and there summoned before her the shallow world of critics whom she knew her thought shuddering beneath the weight of its own temerity pictured the thing that might be a return after an interval that interval too dimly sketched to be anything but a blissful terror in which heaven and hell were strangely commingled and from which her thought shrank hurriedly away but afterward the return london and the old circle of flattering friends with ominously silent faces and a pin-like curiosity in their eyes to these said jessamine i speak frankly i force myself to do it i carry in my arms my little baby 
and i say this is the child of the man i love and for whom for ever though i see him no more i shall live as a true wife he was the best and truest man i ever met and the finest to look upon and he took my heart by storm he was a peasant and lived in a sort of hovel and worked in the fields with his own hands he looked splendid when he was reaping the corn he had been educated but it was a small matter he did not read much he said quiet wise things instead i'm afraid he knew no poetry but his eyes were poems in themselves he had no adventures neither had he any vices he was wholesome from his sunburned skin to the inmost core of his heart there was not a spot in his whole nature from which you had to turn away your eyes such a power of goodness went out from him that he had but to look at me and i grew better i could not marry him because i was not fit for the duties of his wife but yes i loved him so that i united myself to him with trembling joy and this is my baby supposing i said this pausing in her walk she rested again against the birch-tree while her eyes and features lent themselves to the expression of some deep natural yearning it grew in her face as though she saw something far off as a star is far away with which she had some intimate connection it seemed that she became enwrapped even to partial unconsciousness for her arms involuntarily extended themselves as though to receive a gift the yearning in her eyes increased and she drew her arms together empty as they were and curved them toward her breast the fashioning of her face under the spell of the idea was wonderful presently as she gazed down enwrapped upon her empty arms a rain of tender tears fell from her eyes then a little wind came in the tree and the fluttering of the leaves waked her she glanced up with a distraught look upon which smote sudden anguish i dare not i dare not and she fell to the ground shivering and sobbing and drew the shawl over her head and smothered her face on her gathered-up knees the moonlight drew away behind the hill and left the place in shadow End of chapter 18